Good morning, Colorado. You're listening to The Daily Sunup. The Daily Sunup podcast is a conversation with the Colorado Sun. See our trust indicators at coloradosun.com slash ethics. It's Thursday, February 22nd. Today, The Sun's Michael Booth talks with health reporter John Ingold about a new investigation into how often the state's largest hospital system sues patients. Before we begin, a special thank you to all of our Colorado Sun members listening. It's thanks to you that The Sun continues to bring trustworthy, independent journalism to readers and listeners across our state. If you're not yet a member and want to join us, visit coloradosun.com join to sign up. While you're there, check out our member e-newsletters like Colorado Sunday, The Temperature, and more. Together, we'll keep Colorado informed in 2024. Now, let's go back in time with some Colorado history. In the early 19th century, the Louisiana Purchase's unclear boundaries nearly led to war between the U.S. and Spain over the Great Plains. To prevent conflict and focus on its own issues, the U.S. and Spain signed the Adams-Onise Treaty on this day in 1819, which gave Florida to the U.S. and established a border across North America. This boundary, though never physically marked or patrolled, helped ease international tensions. The Arkansas River was part of this border and also served as a division between Native American tribes in Colorado, highlighting the river's significant role in separating not only nations but also indigenous cultures, helping to maintain a balance of power in the region. Before we continue, a quick thanks to Daily Sunup listeners like you. If you like what you hear, please take a moment to rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd love to hear what you think. Thanks. Next, our feature story. Hello, Colorado Sun readers and listeners. Thanks for joining us this Thursday for our weekly temperature podcast on climate and health. We're going to do something a little bit different today just because we want to talk to John Ingold, our great health reporter, about a series, a package of stories he's done with Nine News that talked about patient medical bills and some very unseemly practices by some very large and powerful medical organizations and health organizations and really deserves some focus. So we're just going to talk with John about that today and save other climate environmental topics for next week. But we do appreciate you joining with us. John, thanks for all your work on this and uh, look forward to hearing more about it. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Good to talk to you. So we're talking this week in particular about UC Health, but this kind of practice is not necessarily limited to them. Your guys' work focused specifically on them. What is it that they're doing when patients have bills that they can't pay? Yeah, so um, like a lot of hospital systems, if patients have bills that they can't pay, they end up sending them into collections. And then if that process is not successful, uh, the patients end up getting sued. So this is uh, something that uh, reporting nationwide has, has revealed that, that probably about two-thirds of hospitals do. Um, not necessarily as well-known as, as some of their, their other practices, but um, it, it is something that, that happens. But UC Health is uh, maybe unique, but maybe not in how it goes about actually doing this, which is that UC Health, it will assign the debt to a debt collector, and then the debt collector will file the lawsuit in their own name. So you can't actually, when you're looking at, at court files, you can't actually see how many patients UC Health is suing in recent years. And so uh, this is something that uh, I wanted to dig into that uh, uh, Chris Vanderveen at Nine News, um, another great investigative reporter, 
that he wanted to dig into. And we were working on this project together uh, in conjunction with uh, KFF Health News, uh, this nationwide uh, uh, health news organization that's really well respected, and all working in uh, coordination with the Colorado News Collaborative, which is an organization that brings uh, newsrooms together to do these types of uh, collaborative projects and then makes them available for any newsroom in the state to use free of charge. So kind of a, a whole big team that got pulled together to look into this. And we really wanted to dive in and try and figure out an answer to uh, how many people UC Health was suing. And uh, at the end of the day, we actually did get an answer from UC Health themselves. Uh, we found out from them that they say they've sued uh, either they or their debt collection partners have sued uh, 15,710 people over the last five years. That's from 2019 through 2023. And uh, so this comes out to a little more than 3,000 a year or about eight per day. Insane numbers, just as a number in itself. And people, of course, can explain that in a lot of different ways, which we'll get into. But just Everybody stick on that number for a minute. We've got the major health system in the state, one of the two or three major health systems, filing that many lawsuits a day on its behalf to go after patients who don't usually have a lot of money. Um, otherwise, they would have paid the bills a long time ago. So before we get to the question of why UC Health is not doing this under its own name, let's get to the basic question. Why are they suing patients at all? Why does a multi-billion dollar health system go about suing patients over a couple thousand dollars? So, yeah, so you made a really good point there. These lawsuits often don't involve a lot of money. Like sometimes we think about medical bills and we think people can rack up tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars in medical bills during during acute medical crises. But medical debt actually tends to be pretty small. And a lot of times um, we have pretty low uninsured rates here in Colorado. So a lot of times where the debt comes from is from people who are um, unable to pay their deductible or it's, or it's an issue where there's a dispute over whether they should be paying this as part of their deductible. So we're talking 2,000, 3,000, sometimes 1,000. Uh, after we published the story, I got an email from somebody telling me about a, a bill that was uh, resulted in a lawsuit that was as, as little as a couple hundred dollars, $300. Um, so these are not huge amounts of, of money. And UC Health tells us that they collect about $5 million a year as a result of, of these lawsuits, which when you consider that UC Health brings in close to uh, $7 billion a year uh, over uh, in terms of uh, patient revenue, in terms of net patient revenue from treating patients, that, that's just a really, really small amount of, of money for UC Health. So why are they doing it? Um, I don't know that we actually got a really good answer here. They, they would say that um, this is money that they are owed. This is care that they've provided, that uh, patients need to uh, work with them. And if you come to their hospital to receive care, you need to be able to meet your financial obligations. Uh, they would say that uh, their amounts of, of charity care, uncompensated care, uh, what would be known as bad debt, which is care that you, you wanted to get paid for, but you didn't. Uh, they would say those are all rising. Uh, they would say that uh, it's not sustainable for a health system to just be providing free health care to people. And, and so uh, this is why they argue that um, it, it's worthwhile suing. Now, it, it's worth noting, you, you mentioned UC Health is it's the largest uh, hospital system in Colorado. Um, there are a couple other hospital systems that actually don't sue. So that the second largest would be 
uh, Health One, which is part of the the HCA uh, Hospital Corporation of America, uh, uh, for profit chain. They uh, stopped suing patients uh, a few years back. Um, we've talked about uh, SCL Health before, which merged with Intermountain. So you'll see them known as Intermountain Health now. Uh, also, a large uh, hospital system, mostly here in the Denver metro area. They, uh, when when they completed their merger with um, Intermountain in uh, in late 2022, they stopped suing patients. So it, it's not necessarily the industry standard that hospitals will sue patients. It, it's probably more common than not. But um, you know, hospitals are able to continue operating without filing these lawsuits. And pointing out here again that UC Health likes to say that what separates it from uh, for-profit systems is the way it pays for teaching, the way it pays for charity care and uncompensated care, and that this particular practice isn't shouldn't have to point this out, but uh, certainly suing someone is not great for their mental or physical health as they deal with lawyers and deal with debts of four to nine thousand dollars, whatever your high deductible is. Um, okay, well, let's get to the next point is if this is all okay and all part of an acceptable practice of a big hospital system, why aren't they doing it under their own name? Yeah, definitely um, a, a really interesting question here. So I'll give credit to Chris Vanderveen at, at Nine News again. He really dove into the court records and, and him and uh, Anna Hewson, one of his uh, uh, photographers and, and other investigative reporters at, at Nine News, they built out a database. Um, that really looked at uh, suits by UC Health over the years. And they found that pre-pandemic that UC Health actually did used to sue under its own name. Now, when the COVID pandemic started in early 2020, UC Health, like a lot of systems, took a pause on all debt collection activities for about six months. And then when that pause was over, now the lawsuits were being filed in the name of these debt collectors. So, um, it's an interesting question as to why this ended up happening. I, I wouldn't say that we ever got a clear answer from UC Health as to why this ended up happening, why that why this change in in approach. Um, UC Health's argument is that this is the appropriate way to go about undertaking these legal actions. They they would say that when we assign a debt to a debt collector, and just to be clear, they're not selling this debt to a debt collector. They they remain the owners of the debt but they're sort of assigning the rights to this debt to the debt collector. And then when the debt collector decides to um, to sue the patient in order to collect on the debt, that the debt collector then is in charge of the debt, that, that the debt collector has sort of taken control of the debt, not ownership, but control of the debt. And therefore, because they're the ones that are making these decisions to sue the patients, therefore they are the ones that should properly be on the uh, listed as the plaintiffs on the lawsuit. Um, interestingly enough, there was a, 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 a bill at the state legislature last year that would have, as it was introduced, it would have required medical providers who sued patients over medical debt to use their own names as the plaintiffs. And the Debt Collector uh, Bar Association, the, the Creditor Bar Association, uh, was really opposed to this and said, well, you know, this isn't the way it works. And when we go to court, we represent the debt collector. We don't represent the healthcare entity. So I'd be lying to the court if I, if I said that uh, I was representing the, the hospital because I don't. I represent the debt collector. They also raised concerns. Um, UC Health did not do this to us when we were reporting, but, but concerns have, have previously been raised that um, hospitals suing under their own names exposes 
uh, patients uh, pri- like violates patient privacy because it reveals that they received medical treatment. And depending on the name of the facility that's suing, it might reveal more about the specific kind of treatment they've received. So this is an argument that gets made. But I also should note, though, that there's a lawsuit uh, that's pending in state court that challenges the legality of this practice that says, you know, it, it's really not fair for patients to be sued by these debt collectors who don't own these debts, right? If you're if you're going to go to court, if you're going to sue somebody, you should be the owner of the debt. You should be the one who stands to benefit the most from this debt being collected. And so there's this lawsuit that's ongoing and there's been depositions. And uh, one of the depositions was quoted in, it's sealed, it's, it's under seal, but it was, it was a deposition of a UC Health official. And um, it was quoted in a motion that, that's contained within this lawsuit. And the official was asked this question, well, why do you do this? Why, why, why doesn't UC Health sue under its own name. And the official there said, well, it, it would be optically bad. It, it would look like UC Health was filing these lawsuits. So so there is potentially a, a question of whether UC Health is trying to do this to avoid uh, negative PR consequences. And we've seen, especially um, uh, hospitals and health systems affiliated with uh, public universities across the country that have engaged in these kind of litigation practices. It's led to some negative press coverage, some negative publicity. And it's caused them to stop doing it. So, so there is this question of, hey, is maybe UC Health maybe one of the reasons why they're doing this? Is it because they're trying to avoid the negative PR consequences? You were not, we're neither doctors nor lawyers, but it certainly seems that you could throw on the cover page something to the effect of uh, acting on behalf of University UC Health, and uh, no one's going to throw that out of court. So, just in pure fairness and transparency, I think that seems possible. But moving on to what happens next, is there anybody going after not just the whose name are you suing under, but the practice itself? Is there anybody, is there any way to think about some kind of policy that says we're, we as a state government are not going to sanction these big systems going after individuals with just a couple of thousand dollars in debt through lawsuits that makes that, you know, makes their lives even more miserable? So we've seen some uh, pressure campaigns by consumer advocacy groups. Um, there's one that that launched uh, just recently, uh, specifically targeting uh, UC Health, and, and it's more like trying to wait, raise public awareness about what they're doing and trying to, to put some heat on them to to stop doing this. In terms of um, in terms of more organized efforts, especially legislative efforts, uh, there, there's nothing that's really happened so far in that area. There, there's been some uh, debt, debt uh, medical debt collection reform bills, uh, including the one last year. The one last year actually did pass. It uh, it contained another a variety of other um, uh, debt collection regulations. It just ended up that piece that said that that medical providers have to use their own names got stripped out. So we've seen that, and uh, there is this lawsuit that's kind of challenging um, the legitimacy of, of not filing under your own name. Now that's been pending for for a while and it's unclear what's going to happen there. But in terms of actual bigger efforts to try to stop um, hospitals from doing this kind of thing, I, I wouldn't say that, that we've seen it. One thing uh, that the state is trying to do more of is it's trying to make sure that nonprofit hospital systems are actually providing the kind of community benefits that they're supposed to be in order to justi- justify their tax-free status. 
And so they uh, every year, this the State Department of Healthcare Policy and Financing is putting out a report that tries to estimate what's the benefit that you receive as a healthcare system from not paying taxes, and then how much are you uh, providing in terms of community benefit. And they're trying to do a, a more precise accounting about what uh, what hospitals are counting as community benefit, because obviously there really aren't any federal guidelines on how to report this. So it sometimes you'll see hospitals, as is in the case of UC Health, they'll say, well, we provide massive amounts of community benefit. We provide more community benefit than any other health system in the state. But a lot of what they're counting ends up being the value of what they consider to be uh, the medical education that they provide. Um, there are other health systems that might be reporting community benefit, as in uh, we see a lot of Medicaid patients and uh, those Medicaid rates that we get paid don't actually cover the, the, the cost to provide the care that we do. And so we consider our, our community benefit to be sort of that difference between what we get paid and, and what it actually costs us to provide that care. So it, it's kind of important when you look at that to, to figure out what people are talking about when they talk about community benefit. And I, I think potentially you could look at uh, you know a hospital's debt collection practice to see if if uh, that's part of it living up to its obligations as a, as a nonprofit to to perform some community benefit. Well, thank you, John, for your reporting that Watchdogs, UC Health, and the other big health systems out there always a great reminder that people's health costs, their personal health, the whole health finance system, as precarious it is as it is, has a huge impact on people's lives, and that we all need to keep our eyes open and keep pressuring people to behave better. So thanks for reporting. Yeah, thank you, Mike. And thanks everybody for joining us again on the Colorado Sun podcast on the temperature. Join us again every day at coloradosun.com and next week for more information and reporting on environment and health. Thanks everybody. You can read more at coloradosun.com. Finally, here are a few stories that you should know about today. Colorado Democrats are pushing a bill that would send millions of dollars to cities that agree to encourage denser housing near transit and withhold state highway funding from those that don't. House Bill 1313, introduced Tuesday, is a key piece of Democratic Governor Jared Polis' plans to address the state's housing shortage and combat climate change. It relies heavily on financial incentives to coax cities into developing transit-oriented communities. That's a departure from last year's failed attempt to force cities to zone for apartments and townhouses. After a slow start to the winter, snowpack in Colorado is back to nearly 100% of normal accumulation for this time of year. The slow-melting mountain snowpack is a key water source during warm months for communities around the state and across the West. The recent buildup, along with improved drought conditions and full reservoirs, is a cause for optimism among water managers. Colorado is about three-quarters of the way through its snowpack accumulation season, which peaks in April. As of Tuesday, three of Colorado's major river basins, including the Colorado River headwaters, hovered around 100% of the historic median. Nurses willing to care for medically fragile children and adults, including patients who use feeding tubes, can't walk or speak, and rarely leave their homes, are hard to find in Colorado. Now, family members want state lawmakers to step in. Colorado's Medicaid reimbursement rates for nurses who provide in-home care are about $9 per hour less than the national median. This puts Colorado in the bottom third of states, and it's why parents of children with extreme health issues are asking lawmakers for a $15 million boost in state funding. The money would raise Medicaid rates that pay nurses' salaries. 
For more information on all of these stories, visit our website, coloradosun.com. And don't forget to tune in again next time. Now, a quick message from our team. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. My name is Jason Blevins. I'm the outdoors writer here at the Colorado Sun, co-founder of the Colorado Sun. Um, I'm on the uh, weekly podcast with David Krause every Monday. And I also write a weekly newsletter. comes out every Thursday. It's called The Outsider. Um, take a look at uh, each issue has sort of early glimpses of stories. I got stuff on housing, high country business, high country culture, public lands, uh, public land managers, kind of just about anything kind of interesting and happening on the Western Slope. Try to get into it. Ski industry stuff. Um, I invite you to come check it out. It's one of the many newsletters we have at the Colorado Sun. Um, head to coloradosun.com slash join and become a member and support the Colorado Sun. Appreciate you guys listening. Thanks.